Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode was a topic that Solomon and I are both very passionate about, questions that we get all the time from our clients and prospects. Really, the difference between lead generation and demand generation sound like similar things, sound like the same thing, but there is a, a big difference fundamentally. And, and I think when you operate as a marketer, Dan, the difference, it's going to make a huge impact on the way that you operate as a marketer. All right, Solomon. So today we're talking about the idea of lead generation versus demand generation. And I think it's an important topic. It kind of sounds like the same thing, right? Generating leads, generating demand. But it really fundamentally is a huge difference. I believe there's a huge difference in the two from a strategic approach and how you're looking at this from your marketing. And so I wanted to kind of just jump into how we believe and feel about that as an organization and what we can do to actually implement this, right? If you're listening to this and you want to start making the shift from lead generation to demand generation or really which one you should focus on as an organization. So what do you think, Solomon, in terms of the difference between the two? How would you define that? Yeah, so I think it's very confusing if you are new to it, right? Just demand generation, you would almost ignore it. Like, I don't think I need that. I need leads. My organization just need more leads. If you can just give me more leads, I'll be very happy, right? right. How many leads did my AdWords produce for whatever thousand dollars that you're, you know, the ROI, just too much bottom of funnel, if I may. And yeah. I think we lose track of why there are even the fact that they're going to our website and exchanging information for whatever your offer is is because you as a company have to create demand. So right. if lead generation is at the bottom of a fictitious funnel, if I may, the demand is at very, very top. How do we create demand while they're looking for whatever that challenge they're facing, right? So let's just say that they have a problem, they're looking for a solution, they search a very long tail keyword that may not even be relevant, you know, just they have a problem. How do I fix this? Right now, it might be buying a product on e-commerce that you are used to going to the store and buying, right? But you need to look for, you know what? I was thinking about Logitech would be a great company right now because everybody needs a webcam <laughs> for their work from home, right? Yeah. You know, studio or whatever they do. So think about that. Like now they're problem aware that I need to get mm. my technology right. I got to learn how to use Zoom or whatever. And then now Zoom has the ability to put an ad saying, hey, are you looking for video conferencing? Because obviously, right, they already have the demand. So it's creating the demand. Why do you need it? How do you work from home effectively? Those types of content would be what I would create if I was a company that would create, you know, these types of product, right? Whether it's a conferencing product or a webcam or whatever, a microphone, we would be creating why such a product needs to be created. Right. Yeah, and I think when you really stop using those interchangeably or when you can stop confusing them from a marketing perspective as a marketer, your marketing is going to be so much more effective, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about lead generation or demand generation, to put it simply, lead generation is a, you know, transactional based philosophy, right? It's like you said, how many leads did this generate? Right. And so it's focused on the sales process or focused on the seller rather than being focused on the customer, which we always talk about the idea of kind of eliminating this idea of a funnel, right? Where you're yep. manipulating someone to go through this funnel and you're 
creating the flywheel where it's customer centric and you're providing a, a better customer experience. That's the shift that you need to make. And then every marketing decision that you make needs to be backed by that same philosophy. Yep. If you do that, then you'll be focusing on demand generation because as you mentioned, the focus will be how do I create the most valuable content? And then essentially, how do I give it away for free? How do I get it in front of the most people who are going to benefit the most from it? That's demand generation because you're teaching them, you're educating them, and then you're empowering them to make that those buyers decisions themselves rather than, Hey, if you give me your email address, then I'll tell you the next piece of information in the next piece and kind of give right. you little breadcrumbs until you finally come to my store and, and purchase my product, right? That's a, an outdated way of, of marketing and sales. And it requires you to think long-term and it requires really top-down buy-in from your organization to not focus on the short-term metrics like how many leads, how many ebook downloads did we get or how many webinar attendees did we get? Yeah, and also the challenge is when you similar cases, right? You have to know that what problem do you solve? So how do you reach out to those people that have that problem awareness, right? How do you do that? I think that's very critical. And then also introducing your solution, but not really telling them which product or what specifically to buy. And I think that area falls into the demand generation. Speak to the pain. That's what I always say in like awareness stage. Speak to the pain. Don't ever tell them how much it is to buy your product. You just speak to the pain so that they know that at least this company can solve my problem. Yeah. If you experience this problem, right? If you're a business owner that's frustrated by the leads that you're generating aren't good enough or you don't have, you know, appropriate marketing strategies, yeah. then that's the pain that businesses are facing that have maybe poor marketing strategies or tactics. Yeah. So that would be in the demand generation. It's not about, well, buy this product at this price. That's completely not even in the picture. Then we're not even talking about what type of strategy to even implement. Is it SEO or pay-per-click or Imba? Right. That's still demand is what I'm saying. Yeah. One easy way for you know companies, if you're listening to this, is like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but how do I implement that? I mean, the easiest way, which for some reason companies have moved away from it, but is creating case studies, right? Because like you just said, how do you take someone through that buyer's journey and explain to them exactly what value you can bring to the organization without talking about me, me, me? It's let me tell this success story about a client who had a similar pain that you have. So then you're identifying with it. And then here's how the solution benefited from them, how we implemented it and what the end results were. And basically, you know, promote that, give that away for free. So your ad campaigns now go from a download this five point checklist Yep. that we feel is valuable, but you don't think is valuable. Give me your email information so now I can spam you with my emails to let me share this example of how a similar company was struggling with these problems and challenges. I'm going to show you the exact roadmap that we use to get them out of that. And now not only to you know survive through this, but to thrive on the other end. And here's the end result. And then at the end of that, you know, case study, you can submit for free, you know, your questions and I'll address them one by one. We can have a live Q and a, right. That's a completely different value that you're bringing of all about helping them. That's going to be a lot more attractive to that potential customer than, you know, them scrolling through their LinkedIn or Facebook and clicking on an ad to, like I said, download a, an ebook or even attend a webinar that is just, you know, everyone knows it's just a sales pitch or a software demo. So once you start making those shifts, 
every one of your campaigns will follow suit if you have the discipline to stick to that. And again, if you have the buy-in from leadership to not come back to you a week later or a month later and say, you know, where are my leads, right? Because you can generate a lot of leads. I mean, you can buy a list of leads, right? We can list off websites where you can go and you can buy a bunch of leads. Are those really leads? Are you really going to sell anything? Like what are the closing rates on that? And is your sales team even following up with everyone who even downloaded an ebook? Or would you rather educate the masses on your process and the value of using you and then let the potential customers self-qualify and raise their hand when they've already made the decision that they want to work with you. Then you're going to have shorter sales cycles. You're going to have better win rates rather than having a a long drawn out educational based sales process with extremely low win rates because you're just calling everyone who ever even accidentally clicked on your website. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not an easy shift. When we are coming from a world of leads, 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 my sales team needs booked appointments. <laughs> it, it is. Well, in, in that outcome is there that right. you, you might even have a higher volume of leads eventually, but you're definitely going to have a higher quality lead. And that's everyone would agree, right? When you're talking about marketing or you're talking to a salesperson, or you're talking to the CEO, they would all go for that quality, right? And that's something we hear all the time. It's like, if you could just get me three more clients, like these top three that I have, we'd be happy. But they're expecting that to come from the same campaign that they're doing a lead generation campaign. And that's where the biggest difference is. You never just see that where, you know, company goes to Google, performs one search, clicks on the first ad, fills out the form and gives you $3 million worth of business, right? Because they they clicked on your ad. It just doesn't happen that way. So you have to understand what the purpose of the campaign is and you have to be bought into the entire process. So if it is a bottom of the funnel lead gen campaign, like Google ads, you have to understand that the goal of that is to get them in the door as an organization. And then you need to have process in place to actually show them the value of working with you and upsell them to the become a big customer. Right. It's not very often that, you know, a general motors or, you know, a big organization like that is just going to go to Google and look for a new tier one supplier and then switch all of their, you know, vendors over to that one supplier. Right. It's going to be a gradual process that's still relationship based, but those leads just give you that opportunity. So you have to understand the intent and the process that it comes through. The same thing with demand gen campaigns, right? What you're doing is building a brand and a brand is building your reputation. And if your reputation is as a thought leader and as an educational resource, that's where you're going to see those leads that come through eventually are going to be much higher quality because you're the ones that actually educated them on whatever that subject is. Absolutely. And I think we both agree on the fact that that's a long-term nurturing. It's really what it is. It could go on yeah. for years, right? We're not it, in it. Could, it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's you could have a you know someone who downloads an ebook to when they become a customer. How long does that take, right? Absolutely. So the initial impact is longer, but I think it's like a you know, let's slow down to speed up kind of a mentality. I don't really care about top of the funnel, right? Top of the funnel doesn't exist in this scenario aside from the fact, well, I mean, the decision-making process exists. Like you said, are they problem aware, solution aware? And we want to help guide them, but we want to do that in the most scalable way possible, which is let's create a bunch of educational resources and get that out there where I don't have to get on the phone with every single person that has, you know, questions when they're ready to actually make a purchase decision that's when we want them. So you're kind of skipping that top of the funnel and middle of the funnel, at least from your marketing leads perspective and just focusing on creating that awareness and demand. 
And again, obviously people know how to go to the contact page and fill out a form. It's no longer the world that that's the first and foremost thing. Just by them visiting your website, you can now retarget to them, continuing to nurture them through retargeting. Again, showing them even more content that are unlocked, right? There's no, you don't need to enter an email address to even, you know, watch a video, which you used to put behind an email just to watch a webinar. Again, the most valuable asset is now behind an email and no one's even getting to it, right? That's the frustration that you and I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> get it out there, Taylor. Get it out so there. The, so, the mechanisms don't change, right? In that scenario, meaning the idea that you still advertise on these same platforms, you're still driving organic traffic, paid traffic. You can still have a landing page. You could still have remarketing, like you said. What changes is the fact that it's not gated, which then causes the shift in from a marketing perspective because the old way is I got to come up with a catchy title and I don't really care what the contents of ebook is because as long as they download it, we have that lead. Once you generate that lead, my job is done, right? I can report that we spent this amount of dollars and we got this many leads and you're just, you know, hoping and praying that the law of averages is going to come into play. And if we generate a thousand leads, we got to close something, right? So if we can get a thousand leads, for $2 a piece, we spent $2,000, get a thousand leads. If we can get one customer, it would be fine. But making that shift and that commitment to, okay, now we're going to, like you said, maybe not gate some of this top of the funnel content and it's going to be more customer centric. It's not about the title of the, the ebook or the webinar, whatever it may be. It's about the value of the content and the value of that content is going to, even if only five or 10 people see that, if they're the right people, and it's valuable to them. It's so much more important than them just, you know, maybe accidentally, you know, downloading an ebook. They don't even remember that they, you know, filled out that form. So, it's about again building that brand based on that customer centric model. Hey, thanks for listening, Solomon. Here, are you frustrated? because you're not getting enough inbound leads, you're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified, or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, Maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation, or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. And you know what the biggest challenge is going to be for all of us who have a lot of ebooks and a lot of checklists is that there's going to be a brand in your industry that's going to make it available without any logins. Well, that's the thing is, and I think that's probably what was the catalyst for this shift was that someone's, I mean, we talk about all the time, someone's always willing to do it cheaper, right? If it's a service that you're in, right? Someone's always going to be willing to do it cheaper. And the same thing happens on the internet is someone's always willing to give that information away for free. 
So if not you, it's going to be someone else. And so you might as well just be known as the person who answers every single question and as transparent as possible. Right. And that's the The idea that kind of started this whole inbound marketing is like, Hey, people are going to Google the search engines to find solutions to their problems, to find answers to their questions. Let's not try and trick them and say, well, I can help you, but you have to you know, fill out this form first. Let's give them every bit of information that we know and tell them who we are and who we can help and how we can help. And if that all is aligned and we do a good job of effectively communicating that message and they feel the same way, then they're going to reach out to you. And the sales process from there is a lot easier because they've already admitted that, hey, I have this problem. Looks like you can solve it. You know, I look through all of your information and I understand the budget. I understand your process. I'm ready to start a a conversation. And I understand this is not an easy shift. Where do you start? You know, what can a small business, medium-sized business, B2B, SaaS, whoever it might be? Mm -hmm. I think it's that mindset of changing it from seller-centric to buyer-centric, right? If If it's a customer centric model, and you just commit to that at every stage of your, your organization, not even just your, your marketing, right? If you think about that from a service perspective, I mean, the old adage of the customer is always right. Right. So you, you got to just think about that from a marketing standpoint. It's like, what questions do my customers have? What are they looking for? What are they trying to solve? And you, you almost have to look in the mirror too at your own offering to say, is this beneficial to them? Or do I just think this is beneficial, right? What are the benefits of of working with me or what are the benefits of my product or service? So that's where I would start is start with your customers, start with your best customers, ask them why they work with you, what they like about working with you, what they like about your product or service, talk to your salespeople, kind of understand what questions people may have, why do they buy or why don't they buy? And a lot of times you can learn more from the people who don't buy than the people who do buy and start there and then start rewriting your, your messaging, your websites, your social strategy, whatever that may be to answer those questions. And you're, you're going to see a, a lot of benefit from doing that way. And then the other thing is that I would personally do, again, it requires buy-in from, from the top down, but I would remove as much the gated content as you can and just give away as much of that top of the funnel information, obviously to whatever extent is possible based on your exact business model. Yeah. And also making even more valuable content, right? Rather than just having a PDF that you can hand over, you should create a a livable worksheet that they can actually enter in and work with your content. Eventually, when they're ready to make the decision, who do you think they're going to go to? The workbook, right? The company that provided me every step of my way in creating, you know, this decision. So I think there was a long time ago, if you ever watched like a plumber, telling you how to do it, you want to just call that guy and say, look, man, I think you know how to do this. Yep. I think you're way better than yep. you know me trying to figure out how to do it. You automatically become the thought leader. All you need mm-hmm. to do is teach. Right. Yeah, because if you're, whatever your job is, your industry, if it's really that easy that someone could watch a video and learn how to do it themselves, then I think your value proposition is not that great in the first place, right? Like you said, the desired outcome a lot of times is okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. Now I'm bought into this outcome and I realize that it's a lot more complicated than I thought. And mm-hmm. so by the way, when they do become a customer, they're going to value your service so much more because they've thought about it and maybe even try to do it on their own. Absolutely. And with, I guess, making changes, this is going to require changes across the whole entire website mm-hmm. because all of us are used to putting a form everywhere we can. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like upper it, it, form, it, it, it might form from the bottom, <laughs> form from the side. Yeah, it might require you to rethink some of your yeah your marketing strategy and maybe rework some of your uh, your case studies or ebooks or whatever that may be. But I think it's it's beneficial and that it should be done in the first place, right? When you talk about your your marketing and your website should be a, a living, breathing sort of organism. So if you're operating with that understanding and that knowledge, I mean, you're always going to have to be reworking this, right? And so what we're talking about today, it may change in the future because the reality is this model worked, right? When digital marketing first came out or, you know, when the internet <laughs> first happened, right. there wasn't a lot of information out there still. We had an unprecedented amount of access to information, but there were still only a handful of people creating content. Now we have a, an abundance of content, a surplus of content. So it's about who has the best content and really more than just the content, who's the best at communicating that content in maybe even in, in an entertaining way or in an understandable way, right? Because you could go to any question you have, you can go to Google and search and there's going to be a thousand you know, YouTube videos or blog posts about it. But the reason that the ones that are at the top of the results is because they're doing a better job at you know articulating that message right and also beyond that again i think it's creating content consistently so the folks that are still you know making that decision so they can kind of carry on and keep up with you right yep. once you like their content you don't want to be the one that stops you well, got, uh, and you, that's the other thing is that people, I think maybe the misconception is like, there can only be one, right? There can only be one thought leader in whatever this space is. But the reality is, and we've seen it, right? I mean, we're in the digital marketing space. There's so many content creators out there. We still do live in a, a world where there is some sort of a, a loyalty, right? Or you know, call it a brand loyalty. It's like, you know, almost like, I discovered this guy, right? I discovered Solomon. So I'm going to follow Solomon and look at all of his content, even though there's 10,000 or 10 million other people out there yep. talking about SEO or PPC or marketing. You, you, once you get someone, like you said, you teach them something and they find value from it and they come back again and you, you know, you wow them again with whatever the next topic is. They don't really have a reason to go anywhere else because every time they've looked for a solution, you've been able to provide it. So don't be concerned or overwhelmed because there are more than, you know, one person playing in that space or that there's big players with big budgets. There's enough money. There's enough pie to go around, right? You just need a, a slice of it. Don't hoard information. How's that? Like toilet paper. Definitely. <laughs> do not do not hoard uh, the information. Yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere. We see that a lot too, right? With you know companies that have websites that are five pages, <laughs> uh, yeah. and they're you know afraid to basically give away any of the the trade secrets. You're only hurting yourself at that point. Absolutely. How do we? Uh, any final thoughts? Because obviously this is a change that we love to see in the world take place. If not, it's going to be forcing some people to rethink the strategy. You know what, what I was going to say is that back in the day, do you know how many fake email addresses we had because we had to put in an email address? I mean, come on, don't leave me up here. Yeah. We so, all have our fake email address to get yeah. through anything. I still uh, have quite a few email addresses. And so yeah. to a marketer, right. Who was out there telling their bosses, I downloaded, you know, whatever. I have 500 yeah. downloads. 500 fake emails, boss, that's the part we leave out, right? So if you truly cared, you want to <laughs> put, yeah. exactly, right? So think about it, right? It's, it's the reality. You can never bypass. We don't know whose email is what. Yeah, that, that's the problem, right? And that's when you said, you know, any kind of final thoughts, that was my thought is that it comes down to the metrics that you want to track, which typically comes from the top down, right? And so all of this 
the rest of it is all just a byproduct of the pressure to generate MQLs, you know, marketing qualified leads, right? And in reality, that's not a, a great indication of success of a marketing pipeline or, you know, the actual sales, you know, conversion rates in terms of what's actually going to turn into revenue. And so if you take that away, I think that's the first step. And so if you take one thing away is let's stop worrying about how many leads we generated, or you know, maybe we could talk about leads. Let's, let's actually quant, you know, quantify what a lead is and clarify what a lead is because uh, someone who went to your website one time is not a lead, right? Or a lot of times, especially with things like the lead gen ads that are native into the platforms Facebook. like Facebook and LinkedIn, I don't even have to go to your website and the form is pre-populated. So it's, you know, it's ridiculous. You could get leads for a dollar or less than a dollar on platforms, but those aren't really leads, right? It's just somebody clicked on it and it form automatically filled and submitted. So I think you want to go against the grain a little bit in terms of what the, uh, what your typical thought process would be. Yes, you do want to make it as easy as possible, but not as easy as possible for you. You want to make it as easy as possible for them. And that's really the, the big difference. Right. And also given that this is a big shift, any type of content, I'm talking about your pre-recorded webinar, your eBooks, you know, your newsletter subscription now could be a push notification on Chrome. Anything, right, you can nurture people through retargeting. You don't have to exchange emails. And I guess when you do get a contact, it will be way more valuable. Like you said, you're not right. filling in, you know, 8,000 contacts in the course of a year. Right. And you really only had eight customers. Well, you, yeah, yeah. And, and you can forget about all of that kind of stuff because of the, the platforms have done that for you, right? I mean, the Facebook or YouTube's algorithms, even if someone's not subscribed to your YouTube channel, they watch a video and they watch it for a certain amount of time based on their, the rest of their internet behavior and search behavior. YouTube is going to continue to serve that ad to that person. And actually the people who then continuously watch is going to be such a higher value than somebody who happened to, you know, yep. subscribe to your email list. And then you're forcing that content, you know, down their throat. Right. So just focus on creating valuable content and then use the existing platforms whatever your industry is going to be best for YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, use those platforms and let that, those algorithms work. So I would say measure page views, length of page, engagement, engagement time on site videos, yeah. uh, retention on your YouTube time. videos, things that actually make sure that the other party, not just total, like how long are they consuming this content and are they sharing it? And that will dictate whether or not you have a good content. Right. And then really the, the, you still measure the leads generated, but it's just not as direct of a response, right? That's the big difference is that you knew that was going to happen anyway, when you, you know, generate MQL and then the MQL to SQL, like you might've accounted for that in the marketing and sales process that it could take six months or a year. It's just hard a lot of times for marketers to commit to, I mean, create all this content and not really measure anything for six or 12 months until I start seeing those really, really qualified leads come through. And so that's where you said you could still measure engagement metrics, but just don't confuse those lead measures with the lag measures, right? Don't confuse some of those, you know, MQL leads or likes or clicks or impressions with the general outcome. Stay disciplined to what you know is right valuable. Right. Yeah. Create valuable content and focus on as much time as you focus on creating that content, focus five times more on promoting content and getting it in front of the right people. Absolutely. Great place to leave this episode. 
Thank you all for tuning in. You know how to get a hold of us. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to share with a friend, the website address is oneims.com slash podcast. Subscribe, leave us a comment. We will see you next time. All right, so if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you can do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers, head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right, so thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.